Welcome to Transit Unplugged, the world's leading transit industry podcast. This is Comfort's Corner for June the 23rd, 2021. Hi, I'm Tris Hussey. I'm the producer here behind the scenes at Transit Unplugged. Paul's on vacation, so he handed me the reins for the week. We'll have all the usual segments, some news, then a newsmaker interview, messaging minute with Aaliyah Carey, and Mike's minute. But first, let's have some news. We want to congratulate our friends at Proterra for going public and being listed on the NASDAQ. It's a great achievement for any company, and we know this is only the first of many amazing milestones for our friends over at Proterra. The city and county of Honolulu has announced that they've hired Robert Yu as president and general manager of Oahu Transit Services, which runs the bus and the handyvan on the island. Previously, Robert was at OTS for 26 years in a range of roles, including Senior Vice President and Deputy General Manager, the Senior Vice President of Finance and Administration, and Chief Internal Auditor. Congratulations to Robert and everyone at OTS. In bittersweet news, Vince Pellegrin is retiring as Chief Operating Officer at Metro Transit in the Twin Cities of Minnesota. Vince has been at Metro Transit for over 24 years after leaving the New York Transit Authority to come out to Minnesota. Just some of the highlights of his career include launching two light rail lines in the Twin Cities, the North Star commuter line, planning the 2018 Super Bowl, including getting his buses within the FBI security perimeter so fans could get right to the stadium from the Mall of America. He also introduced a series of popular state fair buses to get people to and from the state fair. We wish Vince a happy retirement. Following the lead of other transit jurisdictions, the Chicago Transit Authority is removing capacity limits on its trains and buses throughout the network. Now, they're going to have special transit ambassadors answering people's questions about the health and safety measures on the CTA. However, Chicago will still be following the federal mask mandate, so people will be required to wear masks on trains and buses. In fact, the CTA will be giving out free masks to people who need them to help encourage compliance. Finally, the U.S. Secretary of Transportation, Pete Buttigieg, thanks transit agencies across the U.S., for their efforts in getting people vaccinated. To quote from the story that we'll include in the show notes, getting vaccinated is the best way to defeat this virus and resume being able to gather safely with our friends and loved ones. We are grateful for the service and creativity of transit agencies across the country that are providing access to vaccines and encourage every state, county, and city to do the same during our month of action. Now, he goes on to talk about several of our friends in the transit agencies and a special shout out to the folks at Jacksonville for their Wheels to Wellness program that brings vaccines right to people. Many of these news items tie really closely into our feature interview between Paul and Stuart Mater of Vax Transit. So have a listen. Welcome to Transit Unplugged. I'm your host, Paul Comfort. Great today to be with you on another edition of Comfort's Corner, soon to be called Transit Unplugged News and Views. And our guest today, 
uh, is a um, guy that's been helping to really create some news, a newsmaker, and that's Stuart Mater. Stuart is a transportation policy consultant, and you may have read about him in Mass Transit Magazine or elsewhere. He is basically leading the national effort called Vax Transit. Stuart, thanks so much for being our guest today on the program. Oh, thanks so much. It's great to be here. Yeah, uh, Stuart recently spoke at a conference I was involved in, Think Transit, uh, and came to my awareness actually through Mass Transit Magazine. And we talked about uh, the work he's doing and kind of where we're at now in June of 2021 and how things have changed a little bit. But first off, let's get some context, Stuart. Tell us, you know, what is Vax Transit? What have you been doing? Those kind of things. Great question, Paul. So Vax Transit is an initiative uh, that I've been leading since the start of the year to make sure the transit agencies have a seat at the table with vaccine distribution because it's critical to the reopening of the economy fully and, and rebuilding ridership on transit. Uh, and so what it really entails is four major areas and, and for every transit agency, a mix of these things will be right. Not everyone necessarily, every, every transit agency doesn't have to do all four, but they'll find the right mix. And those are making sure that frontline workers are vaccinated as, as quickly as possible and as many as possible. Uh, providing free rides to vaccines uh, and, and working in close coordination with uh, uh, public health officials, state officials, folks that are in emergency management to ensure that vaccines are being distributed at transit-friendly locations. In other words, that you don't have to take a car to get to the vaccine. Uh, and then lastly, to provide uh, mobile vaccination units to, where, where possible to use transit assets, transit vehicles, buses in particular, oh, yeah. to power mobile vaccination units and to host vaccines uh, at transit hubs so that people who are on transit and traveling every day on transit have easy access to get the vaccine. I got to see that in person. I think you saw that when I was down in Jacksonville Transit with Nat Ford, they invited me to be part of the ribbon cutting of actually what you said. Instead of taking people to the vaccination, they were taking the vaccination on the bus to people in uh, particularly underserved areas that maybe didn't have it. And I thought that was a brilliant idea. So how'd you get into all this, man? Uh, so I got into this, uh, I've been uh, working in and around the transit uh, industry for much of the past decade, uh, first working uh, with the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey and the uh, the PATH train system, which is, uh, if you're a Seinfeld fan, I refer to it sometimes as the bizarro world subway. And I mean that in the most loving way possible. It's it's the subway that not everybody's aware of, um, and and it, but it's there and it's a wonderful system and it moves uh, around 300,000 people a day pre-pandemic between New York and New Jersey. And uh, I helped... Uh, PATH's leadership to create the PATH Riders Council, which is the customer advisory board for the PATH system. Uh, and then I chaired it for, uh, for, for four years. Um, and it's a great example of collaboration between customers and a transit agency to improve customer experience. Um, was able to work with uh, staff throughout uh, PATH to improve uh, and put in enhancements, including a new app, uh, countdown clocks that were you know, connected into PATH's new signal system. Uh, improvements like around, it. yeah, improvements really all around uh, every single uh, path train car. There's 300 path train cars on the map. We we updated the path map to include regional connections throughout the New York area to you know the MTA, New York City Subway, Metro North, Long Island Railroad, New Jersey Transit, Amtrak, to make sure that customers know when you're on the system what other options you have in the region because that's how we really drive ridership is making sure people know end to end from point A to point B. Regardless of what you know system you're using, we we need to make sure people have confidence that they can get where they need to go. That's really good. It's funny. Uh, I was just on a, some show I can't remember just recently where they were asking me about you know what's the number one thing transit agencies can do to bring back ridership, and I said it's customer information. So um, let me ask you this about this is uh, this we didn't plan on talking about this, but I'm interested in your in your feedback on it. 
Uh, I'm really concerned about the commuter bus and commuter rail industry. As you probably know, I used to run both of those for Maryland. We had a commuter bus program where I contracted with seven different motor coach companies to run 350 motor coaches into Washington and Baltimore uh, from the suburbs to get people to their jobs in downtown. And then we had the Mark commuter train service, just like you had the one in PATH, which I know is a good system too. And But uh, I'm really concerned now that the ridership, because of decisions of companies like Citibank and others saying you're not going to have to come back to the office every day a week, maybe three days a week, ridership is going to remain suppressed during the peak AM and peak PM periods. So I'm talking with folks at different uh, commuter transit agencies around the world, from Sydney to Toronto and everywhere in between, about creating new customers, you know, like, hey, this isn't just about commuter train service anymore. Maybe now it's called regional train service. And it's bringing people in during the day to go to museums as they open up and other things or nights and nightlife and weekends, ball games. I mean, what do you think about that? I mean, and, and what do you see as the future of the health of the commuter train industry? You know, I think I think you bring up some great points, Paul. And I think that the future for the industry really looks a lot different than it did in 2019 when, you know, in many ways the focus was around, particularly for commuter rail and commuter bus, the nine to five peaks, the peak of the peak. Uh, you know, jam-packed trains and buses, the, the, the local news calling it sardine cans. I think uh, those days are gone, at least for the foreseeable future. And I think there's some big opportunities that that creates for transit agencies. And uh, for example, what you just mentioned about, do we call it commuter rail anymore? I think arguably it's time to switch. It's It's been time to switch to regional rail because what that signals to people is that it's not just a service to go in and out Monday through Friday. Um, and when you think about it, that provides better value to the customer. You know, people who are commuter rail customers or were before the pandemic commuter rail, quote unquote, customers would buy a monthly pass. And, you know, depending on where you are, especially in metro areas with the high cost of living, that sometimes means you're buying a three, $400 a month pass. Um, but those people might've only been using those, those, their, their monthly passes to go in and out Monday to Friday, nine to five, which means that in a lot of ways for those people, they're paying a very high cost for relatively few rides. And they're riding at the time of day when they're getting not the greatest customer experience because, you know, they're on a jam-packed train and, uh, you know, and, and, and so forth. And they might be, some, they might face delays if there's an issue somewhere, especially with the older infrastructure we've got that desperately needs investment and, 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 you know, rebuilding. Um, and so I think all of that really spells post-pandemic opportunity to for transit agencies take the commuter off of rail, call it regional, um, and structure it much more like uh, what we see that works well in rapid transit, running more frequent headways, uh, running more service throughout the day, running later in the day. You know, if I'm not commuting into work anymore because I'm working at home, but you know, I might want to go out with my family to a ball game or go right. see a show. I'd love to be able to take the train for that um, and not have to take the car and deal with, because the thing about the car is I often, I often think about how the customer experience of the car is very simple and convenient right up front. You just get in, turn the key and go. All of the potential problems in the customer experience come later. You hit a traffic jam, there's a collision <laughs> on the road, there's rerouting for construction. That's, That's when point. it degrades. That's a good point. Yeah. And, and take the rail and bus by contrast. You know, you you do have to look at the schedule and time yourself to to get to the bus or train on time. But once you're on, it's sit back and relax. You know, listen to a podcast, do some work. You should so do like you, a study on that, a psycho a psychological or psychoanalysis. You know, if there's more trouble up front versus at the end, does it make it more difficult? That's really good, Stuart. Right, and, and that's where I think it'd be great to for agencies to take advantage of that and put out that message that look, you can ride more time of the day and for more of your life needs, life essentials, life. Kind of choices to go do things, transit can get you there. 
And what about these monthly passes? Shouldn't they contextualize them and maybe offer a lower rate two or three times a week to ride or something? Well, that's certainly something that I know agencies are considering. I think that could be a good move for people that want to buy a pass for you know a limited number of trips. Um, but I'm not sure agencies should completely get rid of a monthly pass because I think that there's an argument that maybe instead of calling it the monthly pass, we talk about it as a subscription. You've got a subscription for mobility like uh, and you can use it as often as you need to and, and really mix up the messaging and broaden it and talk about all the different things people can do. You know, we don't talk about uh, a, a sort of a, a monthly pass to Netflix and you, you know, you watch one <laughs> show at 8 p.m. once a day or something. Right. It's, it's unlimited. And I think yes. what we've got to do is talk to people about what you're buying is unlimited transit, unlimited mobility. I love that. Uh, because that makes it pretty exciting. In fact, one of the most interesting examples of a transit agency doing something really creative uh, around this is Utah Transit Authority. Uh, they are selling a, a pass that's valid from June 1st to August 31st for, uh, um, I hope I'm going to get the exact ages on this right, for youth aged, I think it's 6 to 18. I might have that wrong. It might be for teenage only, but uh, the pass is called, wait for it, rider's license. And it's just, it's just such perfect, clever messaging for kids because what they're tapping into is, you know, I was looking at numbers for this the other day, um, kids age 16 in 1983, 46% of 16 year olds got a driver's license in 2017. It was about 26%. Uh, Fewer kids are getting driver's licenses and they're interested in transit. So what an opportunity for a transit agency like Utah Transit Authority to say, let's give it a really great name, like the rider's license. Let's make it a great price. I think the price is, I want to say $49, somewhere in that range. And give and what you're doing is, and then their messaging to, to kids, to teens is, you can use this to go to, you know, sports game, to your summer yeah. job, to hang out with your friends, to whatever you're doing all summer, you've got access. That's and great. that's a fantastic message and a fantastic way to, to inculcate transit ridership in people at a young age when, you know, they're going to they're going to have great memories of using it, a great experience at the start. And that's going to sort of build it into their their mindset about thinking about using it as they grow up. It's ironic you mentioned them because just this weekend I was talking with their chief enterprise strategy officer online on LinkedIn. And uh, so I should get her on the show sometime and maybe talk about that a little bit more. That sounds like an awesome program. Um, hey, let's. Um, Segway now back into and in our final few questions here uh, about you know what's coming next right for transit especially when it comes to vaccination and masks and all that stuff. A lot of people were kind of surprised when the TSA recently announced that they were going to extend the mask mandate for public transit to September. When we had President Biden saying you know let's wrap this baby up by July Fourth if we can and get seventy percent of the people you know vaccinated. And here in my own home state, the governor recently announced you know all right we got it we made it. Uh, no more masks, except for hospitals and transit. I mean, what kind of message is that sending? What, what, what do we need to be doing now, in your opinion? Well, it's it's a it's a delicate issue. Um, and I think part of the reason why, and this is just my sense of things, the mask mandate is still there is because for much of the past year, really until the mandate went into effect in February, frontline workers on transit were bearing the brunt of, you know, conflict between people who didn't want to wear masks, did want, you know, did wear masks and so forth. And I think it gave them a level of certainty and and kind of backing that, hey, this is, they could point to it and say, this is a federal rule, you got to follow the law. And so I think it's important to sort of recognize that intent, because I think that's really, that that was really important. That's made a difference for a lot of frontline workers. I know I've heard that in talking to agency leaders. But to your point about do we run the risk now that transit might look like it's stigmatized if it's one of the only places where masks are still required, um, that's certainly 
a very valid point. That's something I think about a lot. And in fact, I just uh, published an article in Mass Transit Magazine last week highlighting four ways that transit agencies can take the lead on essentially transitioning to what I, from what I would call the mask obligation world to the mask optional world okay, and essentially us. prepare for the, the expiration. So those four things are um, to run campaigns that promote a culture of respect around mask choice. So, so, you know, essentially welcome everybody, regardless of whether they wear a mask or not. And caveat all this by saying all this is basically what you do as the mandate expires. So you make sure people know that whether you wear a mask or not, you're welcome on transit. It's perfectly fine to wear a mask if you choose to do so. If you feel comfortable wearing it, wear it. If you know the mandate's expired and you don't feel you need to wear a mask anymore, that's great too. That's going to help with rebuilding ridership because if people know that there's a culture of respect around it and that it's a welcomed mainstreamed option, they're going to feel more comfortable. That also can help reduce the potential for conflict between passengers because if the message is everybody's welcome and your choice is fine. So that's number one. Uh, number two is continue to make masks available. If you've got, you know, great example is out in, uh, in the East Bay of California, AC Transit. They installed mask dispensers and hand sanitizers on every single bus right as you as you get on the bus. Um, you know, my advice to agencies is keep making those masks available. You've probably got a stockpile of masks that you've bought from the pandemic. You know, it sends a great message to get on the bus. And if you if you feel you need a little hand sanitizer or you want to wear a mask, maybe. You, and a lot of it isn't about cleanliness on transit because we know how much work agencies have done to make buses and trains sparkling clean. Yeah. But hey, maybe I get on transit one day and I just start to feel a little sniffle. I might be getting a cold. I want to put a mask on because I want to, you know, make sure I don't get anybody else sick. I kind of protect myself. So having the mask available, it's peace of mind. And then number three is support seasonal masking. So we know flu season. One of the interesting silver linings to the pandemic is flu hospitalizations. I was looking at the CDC's data recently. Flu hospitalizations had their most dramatic decline. In fact, it was the lowest number of, of flu infections and flu hospitalizations since the CDC started doing uh, collecting data on, on flu seasons. And this past flu season, 2020 to 2021, was lower than 2011 to 2012, which was the previous low for a flu season in their data. So what that all tells me is that by wearing masks, and and obviously there's other factors too, fewer people riding, people staying home, we really crushed the flu while we were doing what we could to crush COVID. And I think the message for transit agencies is encourage masking during flu season because it can help make the environment safer for everybody. It can help suppress, you know, the flu. And and lastly, kind of on that line around masks is uh, at, makes, make masks a stylish option. You know, there's some great examples of agencies selling transit branded masks. TransLink out in Vancouver has these wonderful sort of mosaic of their T logo and their colors on these nice cloth reusable masks. And it's, it's sort of in the same branded family as their t-shirts and baseball caps and, and uh, you know, coffee warmers and yeah. thermoses. One more accoutrement, think- huh? Exactly. Yeah. It sends a great yeah. message. Hey, if you want to and you want to wear the transit map, we'll sell it to you on a mask. So all of those things can help. What it all gets to is it's about making sure that people know that the industry transit is safe to ride. And as the as we get to the point where the mandates expire, I think it sends a great message for the industry to, especially to the FTA and others that are at CDC and others that are making these decisions from a public health standpoint. Hey, we got this. We've got a good plan in place to make sure people feel comfortable on transit and to make sure that we're giving people the options that they need to, to protect themselves. Uh, I think that sends a great message. And I think it's a great way to sort of pave the way forward and, and get to what the world's going to look like after mandates expire. That's great. We, and I do want to reemphasize what Stuart already said twice is that all that, the caveat is there still is a federal mask mandate in place on transit. So we can't make them optional right now. 
right. but I think the messaging is good as 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 that whenever that's pulled off, if if the uh, if they don't wait until September or if they do, as we get around that, I like that messaging of respect, et cetera. I think that makes a lot of sense. And right. um, thank you for sharing your your input with us, Mr. Vax Transit, Stuart Mater, the guy who made uh, who helped really pull our industry together as a national effort to be involved in the vaccination and uh, it's kind of been the focal point of that. Thank you so much for being our guest today and sharing your opinions on Transit Unplugged. Paul, thanks so much. I really appreciate it. And I just want to send a thank you to you for having me on and a thank you to the more than 550 transit agencies in 48 states and 28 in Canada that are have provided free rides to vaccines and are doing everything they can to enable Vax Transit and get, a, get us to our new normal. Thank you. And now we hear from Alea Carey, who's going to continue the discussion about communications and messaging around health and safety and the benefits of transit to all of us. Hi, I'm Alea Carey, a communications consultant who loves working with public transit agencies. Public transit communications departments were challenged as never before during the pandemic. As this crisis diminishes and the world begins to open up again, those particular communications challenges are changing, but they still haven't gone away. Take, for example, the current federal mandate that people continue to wear a mask while on public transit. If the mask is taken as a symbol of possible infection, given or received, how do we continue to reassure riders that public transit is a safe form of travel? One way to do this, beyond notifying riders that a mask is required, is to otherwise leave off communicating about masks or contagion altogether and instead focus on all the other ways that transit makes us healthy in the broadest sense of the word. I am encouraging agencies to increase mentions of traditional transit benefits across all channels with simple, straightforward, highly graphic posts, posters, and website and newsletter banners. Like, public transit means healthier air, or healthy public transit means a healthy economy. These are facts that most of us know, and there are many more detailed stats accessible from APTA, CTAA, and rural RTAP's extensive libraries of resources. If you'd like to talk more about how you can message transit's broader healthiness benefits as we emerge from the pandemic, or anything else related to communications and public transit, look me up on LinkedIn. My first name is spelled E-L-E-A, last name C-A-R-E-Y. And now for Mike's Minute, where Mike talks about dad's advice and Father's Day. Hi, this is Mike Bismeyer, Regional Sales Director for Butera, and this is Mike's Minute, where we talk about leadership, mentorship, and random acts of kindness with the hopes it'll inspire you to pay it forward. Well, I wanted to keep this week really simple. It's been a while since I chatted to you, and coming off a weekend where we celebrated dads, and with Paul Comfort penning his next book, again, about the relationships and the impact that fathers have in our lives, I thought it would be remiss if I didn't mention that one of the best mentors, leaders, and obviously persons to lead with kindness that I know is my own father. I'm very fortunate to have grown up in a home where my dad was very accepting of everyone and always trying to help others. It grew my passion for kindness. But the other thing that my dad was very good at was the random tidbits that I call the mentorship by mistake. He would drop lines that he would often tell me wouldn't make sense till later in my life. And boy, do they make sense. And do I wish I listened earlier? Well, it's obvious they were not by mistake and he knew one day it would sink in. And how does this relate to transit? Well, with the ever-continuing focus on workforce development, employee retainment, and the upskilling of our industry, 
There's always an opportunity to share information, be kind, and to gain value from every interaction. It's not only the mentor or mentee that gain value, but you yourself as well. And it not only relates to transit, but to everything we do. One of my dad's best lines that I use to this day was that every day is an opportunity to change someone's tomorrow. And it can be as simple as saying hello, thanks, or leading with kindness. Thanks, Dad. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Kindness is cool. And that does it for another Comforts Corner Transit Unplugged episode for this week. Hope you enjoyed it. Next week, we're hearing from Mark Wilde of Crossrail UK. It should be a really interesting interview. Rail is one of my favorite ways to travel. And if you have any feedback on the show or would like to be a guest or have anything else you'd like to say, you can email me directly at tris.hussey. That's spelled H-U, S is in Sam, S is in Sneaker, E-Y, at trapezegroup.com. So until next week, ride safe and ride happy.